Hey, I want to welcome you to another episode of Money Matters Top Tips for Success, where I bring on business owners, entrepreneurs, and executives and have them share their top tips for success with you. My name is Adam Torres. You can follow me on Instagram, Ask Adam Torres, to keep up with my book releases, book tour schedule, all that good stuff. Um, and as always, if you'd like to apply to become a co-author of one of my upcoming books, just head on over to my website, moneymatterstoptips.com, and click on Become an Author to Apply. All right, so today we have Jeff Gitterman on the line. He is the co-founding partner over at Gitterman Wealth Management, LLC. Uh, Jeff, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So um, I'm excited to get into what you're doing over at uh, Gitterman Wealth Management. Specifically, I know you're working on sustainability problems, um, also impact investing, ESG investing, um, really uh, hot topics in the investment world. And I, and I can see you, you have a lot of experience, so I, want, I definitely want your take on that. Um, but before we get into the wealth management side, let's start uh, a little bit in the past. Uh, How did you get started as an entrepreneur, Jeff? You know, I always like to say I got started as an entrepreneur because I didn't like working for anybody else. <laughs> I don't know if that's like the motivation for every entrepreneur that ever lived, but I, I think after a few weeks at my first job at Merrill Lynch, I came home and told my dad, I, I just can't work for anybody else. I can't do it. He said, you need a steady paycheck. You need a job. Meanwhile, he had been laid off about 80 times in his career from all his stable jobs. So I, I just said, enough. I, I, I need to do something where I make my own time and I'm my own boss. And I don't mind working hard, but I want to work hard for me. Wow. That's uh, that's pretty amazing. I um I can see um, the you know, there's a little bit of a gap there when you think about um, what people think of as a steady job and then going out and, you know, eating what you kill, so to speak. Um, two completely different um, trains of thought there. What do you think um, the new entrepreneur, I mean, obviously when you, when you started out, it was quite some time ago. What do you think um, some of the advantages are, some of the things the new entrepreneur should be thinking about? You know, the biggest thing that I see is when I started out as an entrepreneur and you wanted to find a customer, you had to literally go out and hunt down that customer on foot. And, you know, I look at my, you know, kids who are now in their 20s and, and I think about their ability to grow a business or a network. I mean, the fact that my daughter came home in high school and told me she had 500 followers on Instagram, I, I almost, I think I did actually fall off my chair. The fact that this high school girl can have 500 people at the at her fingertips that she could influence, reach, and connect with, to me, I was like, wow, if I had been an entrepreneur when during these times or had started out my career in these times, how much easier it could have been. And, and I think that's the secret today to being an entrepreneur is to tapping your you know natural networks and learning how to grow your networks. I mean, even I spend so much time on LinkedIn today working yeah, I think it's probably one of the best tools for a business that has ever existed. It certainly beats an old Rolodex that sat on my desk where, where I had to find the numbers to put in it. Or the or the network that, and I'll speak for myself, the network that I lost before all of this came up. So I'm like, the amount of people I talked to, the amount of things, the amount of when I could have, you know, clicked a button at one point, right, and added yeah. them. Um, and, and to put them in the Rolodex and how many spreadsheets ago do I even have that hundreds of names that who knows where that spreadsheet's at it's 10 computers ago right <laughs> yeah I'm going to I'm going to give an entrepreneur out there uh, an investment or, or at least an entrepreneur idea if someone could just go back to when we used to be able to tap our phones together and connect 
if somehow Apple and LinkedIn can get together or someone could build an app, so all I have to do is touch my iPhone to someone else's iPhone and connect with them on LinkedIn, that would be literally a miracle. And it should stamp the time, date, and place that I connected with them. It's such a simple thing. I can't believe no one's figured it out yet, but it would save me at conferences. It would save me hours of time of follow-up and networking and input. So it's out there if any like good app developer out there could figure it out. I want a penny uh, uh, share. <laughs> I like it. I'm in, and I give and I give my cut because you heard on my podcast. So there you go. <laughs> let's uh, let's change it up a bit, Jeff. I want to talk more about what you're doing over at uh, Gitterman Wealth Management. So, what kind of clients are you helping? What are you helping them with? So we help mostly mass affluent clients. I started my career 26 years ago working with college professors, and that still makes up a large bulk of our financial practice. But as you had said earlier in the show today, we specialize and focus on what's called ESG, environmental, social, and governance investing, or sustainable investing, or impact investing. And, and I can give a brief explanation on the three, but if you imagine you were in your GPS and your GPS has a bunch of data in it, that's ESG. It's a lot of data on companies that we didn't have in the past, and thankfully, to big data and machine learning. We could grab all this current information on companies we want to invest in today, their environmental footprint, their how they treat their employees, the board governance issues that they have or hopefully don't have. And then SRI, or socially responsible investing, is the route preferences that you take in your GPS. So that's where you make a personal preference about the investing journey that you want to go on. So you want no toll roads, you want no tobacco, you want no fossil fuel. It's very similar thing. It's personal preferences, but ESG is just data. It's just a data set. It's not an exclusionary preference. Then you get your SRI, which is your preferences. And then if you want to do impact, that's what we call the destination because impact investing is very intentional. You want to make an impact on a certain thing like gender pay in a South African village, and you want to be able to measure it. And one thing about your destination and your GPS is you actually do know when you've gotten to the right place. So it's intentional and measurable. And, and those are three different types of investing, but all fall under the same umbrella. But again, as you can see, have kind of distinct differences. And we focus on all three areas, but do at least ESG investing with everyone because we just think it's a better way of investing. And what, what kind of trends are you noticing in your industry? So the three biggest trends that I see hitting from the outside are one millennials because they work invest and spend differently than any prior generation they do care about purpose and meaning in the jobs that they hold they change jobs much quicker than any other prior um, generation did the typical millennials had five jobs by the time they're 30 where you know a baby boomer maybe had three jobs in their lifetime so it's a much different trend and employers have to respond to that by being able to help these employees find more meaning and purpose and that means the company has to figure out their meaning and purpose and that ultimately supports a theme in investing in sustainable investing then we have climate change which you know most people at this point do believe uh, that climate change is an actual thing um, although we have a few outliers left out there but climate change is dramatically affecting the way we invest. We've seen our first bankruptcy uh, in January of this year with Pacific Gas and Electric due to climate change. 
And that is going to keep exasperating. And I think most millennials do worry and are concerned about climate change. And they will be asking their advisors more and more if their investment portfolios are climate risk resilient. And the third is big data, which, you know, we've just seen, obviously, since the advent of the Internet, we've seen now this huge rush of big data and the ability to, you know, get data from all different data sets and all different users and whether it's, you know, from every car that's being driven or every iPhone that's being tracked, there is a way that is going to really shift dramatically in this country of how we use that data to make decisions. And and that is, of course, going to fall into the whole investment theme, um, as well as many other things we do in medical and um, other items as well. And then the big theme in our, or big trend in our industry is just the aging of the advisor. Um, Most advisors are baby boomers. Uh, average age is running, you know, high 50s, low 60s. And just like in the rest of the country, there's going to be this huge transition of wealth over the next 25 years from that group down to the millennials. And because the millennials invest, work, and spend differently, uh, the big asset management firms are starting to really get concerned about how they connect with that audience. And, And those are the big themes that we're seeing today. So if um and one one quick thing uh, now you bring up millennials and and the shortage um because there there is this supposed to be a shortage of of advisors am I correct or am I wrong? No, that's very true. Um, there's way more advisors retiring than there are joining mm-hmm. the business. And certainly, uh, female and minority um, advisors are there's a huge shortage of. What kind of advice would you give that that newer um, grad, um, maybe that's thinking about the financial services? Like, um, I mean, because you've been in the you've been in the industry for a long time, and you, you've seen a lot of the changes. Um, is it going to be a? You think it's going to be a friendly environment for them to um, operate if they want to go in that direction? You know, I, I I definitely do. The older baby boomers, as they're retiring, need to leave their books of business to someone, and the likely person to leave a book of business to is someone who is going to connect with the people inheriting your client's money. Uh, The average capture rate of an advisor today is about 2% on intergenerational wealth transfers. So when the second spouse dies and the assets go to the kids, the current advisors only keep about 2% of those transfers. So we desperately need, you know, younger people that can connect with the audience that has different needs to come in and fill the big shortages in our industry. And, um, you know, a lot of advisors will start looking more and more as they age out, but it's definitely a critical time in our industry to make a big shift. Definitely. Um, So, Jeff, if somebody wants to find out um, more information on Gitterman Wealth Management, um, what's the best way for them to reach out? So, uh, GittermanWealth.com is our website. And we're also on LinkedIn. If you look up Jeffrey Gitterman on LinkedIn, I uh, post a huge amount of information, blogs, podcasts, webinars on ESG and sustainable investing. And it is, again, in our opinion, a much better way to invest. And if you just want to get educated, you should definitely connect with us. And we give plenty of free content and information out. That's awesome. Well, hey, Jeff, I uh, really appreciate you coming on the show and educating uh, myself and the audience on what you do. Um, To the audience, as always, thank you for tuning in. Uh, Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, leave me a review, do all those good things we do to uh, support our podcasters. I really appreciate it. And, uh, Jeff, thanks again for coming on the show. 